How are you guys doing? How are you guys doing? No, no really. No, really, how are you guys doing? If you're online today, I'm asking you, how are you doing? Seriously, honestly, how are you doing? Listen, when people ask me that question, it's never been more weird to, to contemplate what I'm supposed to respond with than it is right now. It's never been as odd and, and, and weird as it is right now. When people ask me how I'm doing, I just pause for a minute and I'm thinking, first of all, do you really want to know? Do you really want to know how I'm doing? Are you honest about wanting to know how I'm doing? Or are, are you, am I thinking about this too much? Like, should I tell them how I'm really doing? Or do they really want to know how I'm doing? Or uh, should I answer the question contextually? Should I answer it like in regards to all the things that are happening in the world today? How am I doing with all of that stuff? Or how am I doing personally? How's my ministry going? Or how am I doing uh, health-wise? Should I just say, yes, I'm, I'm blessed and highly favored and move on? Is that, is that what some of us do, right? We just say, we're doing great. We're doing great. We really don't talk about how we're really doing. What do I say? This is a very complicated question to answer right now. It's a very complicated question for us to answer right now. And as I was preparing for this series this past week, I just posted something random on Facebook. And I was, I was honest. I was serious. I really wanted to know how people were doing. I asked the question, choose one word to describe your current emotional state right now? Very simple question. I honestly thought when I threw that out there on social media, I thought I'll get five or ten responses. Five or ten people will respond, let me know how they're doing. And they're probably all going to be, oh, we're doing great, we're doing good, we're blessed, we're highly favored, all that. I thought maybe five or ten people, and, and before it was over with, I'm still receiving uh, comments on that particular thread, but over 200 people have commented talking about how they're doing. And, and, and to be honest with you, I wasn't prepared for that. I really was not prepared for that. Over 200 people commenting and their emotions. And some of you in this room and some of you watching online commented, and I thank you so much for that. I was kind of doing research for the series. But, but as folks were commenting, um, emotions were all over the spectrum. Emotions from happy to sad to grieving to hurt to forgotten. Um, all of this was going on and folks were feeling this way. If there's one thing that you probably don't know about me, if you don't know me too well, you probably don't know I'm, I'm a pretty emotional person. I, I just can't help it. I'm pretty emotional. I, I really, I, I, I cry at the drop of a hat most of the time. I cry at the drop of a hat and, and um, literally, and it's kind of rubbing off on my kids as well. My son Lincoln uh, will be watching Blacklist at home. It's a cool show that we like to watch right now. I don't know if anybody likes that show, but we like it and we'll be watching it and all of a sudden something's getting ready to happen. The music starts playing in the background. It's kind of an emotional scene or whatever and all of a sudden Lincoln will say, I'm going to cry. I'm going to cry. He's four. Okay, he's four. And I'm like, we, we're doing something wrong, honey. We're doing something wrong. I'm kidding. But, but we just encourage it because he's, he's kind of emotional as well. Um, our leadership team took a survey to, to, to determine our leadership style. And no surprise to anyone, I lead from my emotions. That's just how it is. Like, I'm a very emotional person. I can't help it. It's just how I'm wired. So when nearly 200 people comment and are talking about how they're feeling, and a large majority of those people are hurt, are upset, are forgotten, are, are, are grieving, are hopeless, can you imagine what that does to an emotional person already? I was overwhelmed. I mean, honestly, it took me by surprise. This, I made this post in the middle of the afternoon, 
And for the rest of the day, seriously, the rest of the day, I sat in my office and I just prayed for people. Because I just saw so many hurting people. So many broken people. So many hopeless people. It was hard. It was hard. It was overwhelming. I think for me, if there's one word to describe, there's one word to describe my current emotional state. It's kind of uneasy. For me, the word that I would have chosen would be uneasy. Everything seems to be uneasy right now. Even the small things, like, like it used to be, it really used to be easy to go up and greet someone, didn't it? I'm a, I'm a handshake into a hug guy, so you, you really don't know what to expect when you, you're coming at me. I, I give you a handshake, but then I take the other hand and I give you a hug like this, right? And that's just how, that's how I like to do it, Trent. And, and so some people are like, I don't really know. It's already awkward because I don't know if you're going to shake my hand or give me a hug. I don't know if you want to give me a sidearm hug or whatever that looks like. And so it's already awkward. But then in the middle of COVID, right? We're not supposed to be doing things like that. And so you come at someone and you're kind of sizing them up. What are they expecting? What are they wanting? You go in for the elbow and then they come in for the hug. And you're like, oh, we have a mask on. This is weird. This is awkward. And so it's just this weird, random, uneasy feeling and trying to figure out how to greet someone, isn't it? I don't, can y'all relate to that? I don't, I don't know if it's just me, but it's just weird sometimes, right? We're trying to figure out how we're supposed to greet each other now. And so there's just this feeling of uneasiness. Like, what are the norms now? Like, all of our norms have changed. So what is it now that, that is like, it's just so uneasy. The small things that make me feel uneasy. And then, then, then there's the really big things that make me feel uneasy. There's the really big things that, that make me feel uneasy. It's like the big things like racial tension. Like, that's a big one that makes me feel very uneasy. Economic uncertainty. That's a big one, right? Political divisions. Like, that's big. COVID. Like, those things, that stuff just makes me very uneasy. That's the word I would use. Does anybody else feel that way or am I alone? Anybody at all? If you're watching online today, just put a little hand emoji or something. Let us know that I'm not alone. Let me know I'm not alone just preaching to myself up here. What I thought I'd do, here, here's what, here, we're going to kind of land in on what we're, what we're doing today. What I thought I would do is over the next few weeks, we're going to take, take a look at our feelings. We're going to take a look at our emotions. Like, guys, all the men in the room today are watching. Don't tune out on me, okay? It's okay for us to express our emotions. and our feel We do it anyway. Whether we want to or not, we express them. So let's just talk about it over the next few weeks. We're going to talk about our feelings. We're going to talk about our emotions. We're going to take a, a look at, at that. But we're not just going to talk about. We're not just going to talk about how we feel. But we're going to look at this from a gospel-centered gospel perspective. We're going to take a look at our emotions and our feelings from a gospel perspective. God has given us emotions and feelings, right? Like he gave these to us. He gave us how we, I mean, our emotions to feel a particular way. What I want to do is look at the emotions and the feelings of Jesus. I want to take a look at Jesus's emotions and his feelings, what he endured, what he felt, and, and, and allow his emotions, allow Jesus's emotions to center our emotions so that we're not reacting, but we're responding with a gospel-centered emotions and feelings. Like, I think that's going to help center us in this really uneasy time. And I'm going to be using the words feelings and the word um, um, emotions interchangeably. So when I say one, I'm probably meaning the other as well. 
So this series is called All the Feels. All the Feels. And we're excited about this series. In doing some research, uh, kind of preparing for this series, um, I was kind of researching the, the emotions of Jesus. And one article said that throughout the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the Bible, Jesus displayed 39 separate emotions. 39 emotions. I didn't even know that there were that many emotions that you could display until Elena Faith came along, my daughter. Okay? And, and literally within a 30-second time span, she can display all 39 emotions. That's my daughter. She's awesome. She's great. But she is a fireball. She is definitely a fireball. Uh, but, but seriously, at 19 months old, she can already experience all those emotions. It's crazy. Jesus was God in flesh. Jesus came to earth, God in flesh. Fully God, but also fully human. He experienced all the emotions that you and I would experience. And I'm going to give you some examples really quick. Um, whenever Jesus looked over Jerusalem, the Bible teaches us Jesus looked over Jerusalem, um, and He saw all the people that He loved, and all the people that God loved so much. And, 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 and they were all disconnected from God. So they were super disconnected from God and he felt this deep, sincere emotion of grief because of that disconnect between God's people and, and, and God himself. And he's thinking they're missing out on the very thing that God wants for them so much. Whenever, whenever there um, are religious leaders that, that care more about the rules and the laws rather than people, Jesus felt righteous anger. Like when, when he saw religious leaders who cared so much more about laws and rules and not as much about people, there was a sense of righteous anger toward their hypocrisy and the sin of their lack of love for people. When 72 followers came back and they were talking about how God used them to make a difference, Jesus felt overwhelmed with joy at how faithful that God was to make a difference. He used these people. He felt this overwhelming joy. Uh, when Lazarus, his friend, when Lazarus died, we see the, the shortest scripture in the entire Bible. It says, Jesus wept. Even though Jesus had the ability to raise Lazarus, Lazarus from the dead, he still felt emotions surrounding the death of his friend Lazarus. Lazarus. Um, profound sadness. Grief. Profound sadness wept. He wept over the death of his close friends. Before going to the cross in the Garden of Gethsemane, Gethsemane, Jesus knew what was about to come and he felt lonely. He felt anxious. He knew what was going to happen. He knew what was before him. And he knew that he was going to continue to move forward and therefore he was going to experience these things. And so in the Garden of Gethsemane, he felt overwhelmed with loneliness and sadness. Like Jesus felt the same emotions that you and I feel today. Like He could relate to us because He felt those emotions as well. And so what I want to do today is, is start this series about emotions and feelings of Jesus and what He feels toward us. I want us to know what Jesus feels toward us because I don't know about you, but, but often as I was growing up, I, I didn't feel like any that God felt toward me anything but anger. I'm just going to be really transparent with you. Growing up, I felt like God was mad at me all the time. Like I could never be good enough. I could never do good enough. 
and that God was always angry with me. I was always letting him down. And so I want to talk about God's emotions because his emotions give us an idea of what he feels toward us, his heart toward us. And so whatever that feeling is for you, I want to kind of bring that to a gospel center today and throughout the rest of this series. Today we're going to look at Luke's gospel. And for a little bit of context, Jesus had just spoke of that great sermon on the mount. As he began his earthly ministry, he had just spoke of, of that wonderful sermon on the mount. And then verse 11, he goes in to this, uh, verse 11 goes in this, this story about Jesus. The Bible says this, and also, I, I don't typically mention this, but I mean to. Um, if you don't have your Bibles with you, if you open up your phone, if you've got the Bible app on there, you can go and you can check out all the scriptures and the notes and all that from, from what we're talking about today. Every week, the notes and the scriptures are in the Bible app. Just go to events and look at uh, Ridgepoint Church and you can find all that information on there. Verse 11 says this. Soon afterward, Jesus went with his disciples to the village of Nain and a large crowd followed him. A funeral procession was coming out and he, as he approached the village gate, the young man who had died was a widow's only son. And a large crowd from the village was, was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart overflowed with compassion. Don't cry, he said. Then he walked over to the coffin and he touched it. And the bearer stopped. The young man, he said, I tell you, get up. Then the dead boy sat up and he began to talk. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. And great fear swept the crowd as they praised God saying, A mighty prophet has risen among us and God has visited his people today. That's a story, isn't it? This is the power of Jesus expressed through deep and sincere compassion for someone. The power of Jesus expressed through deep and sincere compassion. Let's try to visualize this just for a moment. Like I, This is one of my favorite stories in all of Scripture. Let's visualize this just for a moment. Jesus walks up on this funeral procession. And you can imagine it's not like funeral processions that we see today, right? They didn't have police cars in front of them trying to escort them down the road, right? They just didn't have things like that, of course, in this particular time. But the, there, there, was, there would have been lots of mourners. As a matter of fact, there were probably professional mourners as well. Sometimes families paid professionals to come out with their flutes and their cymbals and their horns, and, and they, would, they would mourn with the families. So there's a loud cry of sadness as folks would, would gather and, and, and escort this body through the streets on the coffin. Tambourines, they'd walk down the streets and they would play their instruments and they would cry out with sadness. And a large crowd, the Bible says, a large crowd was gathered around when this boy was being escorted through the town. And Jesus walks up on this scene. And you can imagine that this was a very emotional sight to behold. A very emotional sight to behold. 
And there's some things that we know about this story because the Bible teaches these particular things. And then there's also some things that we don't know about this particular story. As a matter of fact, for example, we don't know how old the boy was. The boy could have been three years old. The boy could have been 12 years old. We just don't know because the Bible doesn't say how old that he was. We don't know much about this poor grieving mother other than the fact that we know um, that her husband, her husband has died. She's a single mother at this point. We don't know much more about her. We don't know her age. We don't know much more about the situation. We do know that most likely the boy would have died the day before. The boy would have probably died likely the day before because obviously they didn't have any of these these, um, chemicals and things that we have today, modern techniques to preserve a body. And therefore, they needed to bury the body quickly. And so what we do know is we have a single mother now that had lost her husband at some point. We don't know how old she is. We don't know how old the boy is. But what we do know is that the boy has passed away. In this particular time, because the mother was single and the dad had passed away at some point before, we know that the boy would have been one of the only means of income for this mother. And so you can imagine this mother is grieving because of the loss of her son. And also just thinking about what's, what's to come for her. Just knowing that she has no means of income at this point. Very emotional sight to behold. If you can imagine, this mom's already lost her husband, the boy's father, and now she's a widow, loses her only son, emotional, grieving, overwhelmed with grief, heartbroken. Like I'm, I'm looking across the congregation right now and thinking of folks online. There's some of you that have lost, lost children. And, and, and I can't even begin to imagine the grief that you have had to go through. I can't even imagine what that's like. Many of us have lost loved ones that are near to us. And I know what that feels like. But this mother, this single mother, she was grieving. And at her deepest moment of grief, check this out, at her deepest moment of pain, verse 13 says, The Lord saw her. In her deepest moment of grief and pain, verse 13 says, The Lord saw her. There are more than 40 references in the four Gospels. More than 40 references that that we're told that Jesus saw someone. And that's kind of ironic, right? Because Jesus is God, so He sees everyone, right? And so we have to believe that, that it's not just visually seeing someone. We have to believe, uh, we have to to understand that the author is trying to to tell us that he he didn't just see them, he noticed her. There's a big difference. He didn't just see her, he noticed her. Big difference there. And you, you guys know, and, and our guys in the, in the congregation today, you, you guys understand this. I'm a guy, I don't notice a lot of things. Like, for whatever reason, I just don't notice a lot of things. And that's really hard because my wife, she notices everything. Amen. Any, any husbands got wives like that? Okay. All right. Yeah. You better keep your hands down. Um, anyway, all of us, like, my wife notices literally everything. And, and she's always pointing things out to me that I didn't notice. As a matter of fact, when I come home from a big event or I come home from a meeting, she's asking me all these questions like, did you notice this or did you see that? Or how was this going? Or what did he say? Or how did that happen? I'm like, honey, I don't know. And she's like, were you even there? Like, let me look at Life 360 and figure out, were you even at this meeting? Like, honey, I just don't, I'm not like you. I don't notice everything. 
I'm a guy. I just, that's my excuse. That's my only excuse. I just don't notice those type things. So when Jesus looks at this grieving widow, he doesn't just see her. He notices her. Because I can't say that any more powerfully this morning. But Jesus notices her in her deepest time of grief and pain. A single mom, widow who had just lost her husband, now she had lost her only son. In the middle of the chaos, Jesus looks on her and the Lord saw her. What Jesus was feeling when he saw this woman is deep sorrow and expressing profound grief. What Jesus felt for her is the same thing that he feels for you and I. What Jesus felt for this, this woman is the same thing that he feels for you and I. When you're afraid, when you're hurting, when your marriage is struggling, when your kids make bad decisions and you are literally aching because of the decisions that they've made, hoping and praying that they're going to come around, when you're trying to pay your bills and you just don't have enough money in the bank, or when you've lost someone that you love that meant the world to you, when you're going through pain and when you're going through grief and when you're heartbroken, Jesus feels the exact same thing for you when you're hurting as he did for this woman when she was at her deepest moment of pain. Verse 13 says that when the Lord saw her, his heart overflowed with compassion. His heart overflowed with compassion. When the Lord saw her, Jesus' heart overflowed with compassion. That, that literally means there just wasn't enough room inside of his heart for the compassion that he felt for this woman that was grieving in her time of deep, deep sadness. The root Greek word for compassion in this particular uh, scripture is splagna. Say it with me together. Ready? Splagna. Sounds like something you would, you would fix uh, for dinner tonight, right, Angelia? Splagna, right? Or something that comes up after dinner. I'm not sure, but one or the other. It means, literally, it means to feel something in our guts or deep down in our bowels. It means to feel from our intestines. There is no stronger word in the Greek language to represent the depth of compassion, right? So the, the word that is used in this particular scripture is splagna, which means to feel from the very depths of who we are. Literally feeling for, for someone from our bowels, from the depths of his being, from the absolute depths of his being, Jesus felt compassion for this woman who had just lost her son. From the depths of who he is, Jesus sees this grieving mom. He hurts with her. He grieves with her. And then in verse 13, he says this. Don't cry. He says, don't cry. Can you imagine that? The maker of the heavens and the earth. The author and the finisher. The, 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 the one responsible for everything that we see. Every good gift stoops down to our level, to this woman who had just lost her only son. And he says to her, don't cry. Guys, can you feel how personal 
that is. I, I don't know what you're going through today. I don't know what you've deal, you're dealing with or what you've dealt with in the past. But the author of life itself came down to this grieving single mother and he said to her, don't cry. Don't cry. I don't know, that just gets me. That just gets me. To know that my God loves me so much that He cares about my emotions. Don't cry, He said. Jesus, the Creator. I don't know who needs to hear this today, but, but the Lord our God knows what you're going through. He knows what you're going through and He cares about you. He cares about you more than you can ever imagine. He sees your pain. He hears the cries of your heart. He knows when you feel desperate. He knows when you can't catch a breath, when your heart pounds with anxiety, when you're praying for your marriage, when you don't know where to turn, when you feel frustrated and afraid. The Lord sees you. He sees you. He notices you. Splagna, he cares for you from the depths of his being. He notices you. Jesus sees this grieving single mom and he hurts with her. He says to her, don't cry. Then he does something remarkable. Check this out. He does something remarkable. He, verse, we continue on in the verses, he walks over to the coffin and he touched it. That's a big no-no in this particular time. He walks over to the coffin and he touches it. Now you can imagine what a big deal that this was. A coffin back in, in this particular time wasn't what we know as a coffin today. It didn't have a lid on the top of it. As a matter of fact, it was probably just a wooden plank with some wheels on the bottom that folks carried through or, or pulled through the city to get to wherever they were going to bury him. Right? And so there's kind of like a buggy, if you will. So when Jesus goes up and he touches the coffin, it's a big deal. This was shocking to everyone. It was literally scandalous in this particular time. Like Jesus touched this coffin. People were gasping all around because the Pharisees, they had all these religious laws and all these rules. And most of their rules were considered uh, or were, were all about the outside appearance, right? They were all about the outside appearance. These Pharisees had all these rules and these laws concerned with the outside. And, and here's the, the show that I want you to see. Here's the rules so that we look like we are religious. Here's the show that I want you to see in order for everyone to think that we are close to God. That's what they were concerned with on the outside. They wanted to portray something that they probably didn't feel on the inside. Not here at Ridgepoint Church. Because at Ridgepoint Church, we live real. We don't put on a show for people to think that we're perfect. Because that's not helping anybody, especially ourselves. And so at Ridgepoint Church, we live real. We don't want to think like we want to pretend like we have it all together. Because we don't. We don't want to pretend like... To be something that we're not. The Pharisees had 613 laws. Strict laws. 613 of them. And one of which basically said that you could not touch a dead body. If you touched a dead body, then you would become spiritually unclean. Or if you touched something that had touched a dead body, you become spiritually unclean. Like it was a no-no. It's a big no-no. 
This is a big deal. Jesus, the prophet, claiming to be the son of God, touches something that makes him spiritually unclean? This is scandalous in this particular time. Like, Jesus, what did you do? When Jesus touched the coffin, what he did, what Jesus did was he crossed a line. He crossed a line that the Pharisees had laid out. Jesus crossed a line. And don't you love that about Jesus? Don't you love that about Jesus, that Jesus is a line crosser? He's a rule breaker? Come on, church. Jesus crosses lines for us. Every time religion would draw a line, Jesus would cross it, praise God. Because he's a line crosser. He's a rule breaker. Why? Because he love crosses lines. Love crosses lines. Whatever line that you feel right now may be keeping you at a distance from God, you need to understand that He crosses lines for those that He loves. Whatever's going on inside of you that says, no, I can't approach God. No, I've done too much. I can't approach Jesus. I can't go to Him because I just feel like He's angry with me or I feel like that He, I just continue to let Him down. I want you to know that you drew, you drew a line in the sand and you just set the scene for Jesus to cross the line to come to you because He crosses the lines for people that He loves. He's a line crosser. And he's a rule breaker, thank God. What religion does, distorted religion, what distorted religion does, the legalism that's all about rules and what you look like on the outside, what it does is it draws lines to keep people out. That's what distorted religion, legalism does. It draws lines to keep people out. Jesus didn't want any line or any external rule to keep people from experiencing Him or His love, His grace, His power. And that's why we don't draw lines here at Ridge Point Church. You realize that we love differently at Ridge Point Church. We don't draw lines to keep people out. We get rid of lines to bring people in because that's what Jesus does. We love differently at Ridge Point Church. We cross lines to bring people in because that's exactly what Jesus did. Ignoring, ignoring the religious policies, Jesus touched the coffin. Perhaps he even touched the boy. Can you imagine being in that crowd? Can, can you imagine being in that crowd when Jesus touches the coffin and he says to the boy, get up. Like, just take a moment. If you have to close your eyes, it's okay. Close your eyes. Just put yourself in that moment. When Jesus comes across and crosses the line and he touches that coffin, perhaps he touched the boy as well. And he says to the boy, get up. And the boy actually sits up and starts talking. Can you imagine how amazing that was? Whatever, whatever is going on in your life right now, listen, listen. Whatever you're dealing with in your life right now, whatever feels dead in your life with just one touch from Jesus will come alive again. Do you hear me today? Whatever is dead in your life and you're thinking about that thing right now, is it your faith? Is it your hope? Is it your love for other people? Is it your trust? What is dead inside of you right now with one touch from Jesus will come back to life. Amen? Whatever is dead inside of you 
can come back to life. One touch from the author of life, the giver of grace, the one who brings dead things back to life. I'm going to ask the worship folks to come forward. We're almost to the end. I just want to be prepared. Just one touch from Jesus, and he can bring you back to life today. One touch from Jesus, he can bring you back to life today. Just one touch. The Lord saw her. The Lord noticed her. And just one touch brought her son back to life again. I don't know about you. Like, I don't, I don't know what you're going through today. And I don't know what you're feeling today. I want to tell you a quick story. I was 21 years old. Um, I felt God called me into ministry. I knew that I, all my life I kind of felt like that was going to be the future in some form or fashion because that's God's call and that's kind of the way it works. But from day one, there's always been a weight that I've carried because I didn't attend seminary. Hear me out. There's always been this weight on my shoulders because I didn't attend seminary. All my pastor friends, they'd all attended seminary. They all graduated. They were all very educated. They knew what they were doing, it seemed like. But most of what I was feeling, the weight that was on my shoulders, was self-inflicted. Most of which was self-inflicted. But I made myself think that I was unqualified for full-time ministry because I wasn't smart enough or qualified or equipped or educated enough. And throughout the years, I passed on a few opportunities for full-time ministry because I just didn't think that I could do it. I didn't think that I had it in me. The weight just got heavier and heavier over the years. I suppose it got heavier because God was continuing to call me and I was continuing to run the opposite direction because I felt unqualified. So hear me, hear me out. In December of 2017, Taylor and I, we had my wife, we had an encounter with God. There were some missionaries from up in Michigan that came down to Kentucky because we had some coffee from Honduras that we were trying to sell and we were trying to sell, them to the, sell the coffee to these guys. And so what we thought was going to happen right here at Ridgepoint Church, like we met up front where my office is right now, what we thought was going to happen, they were just going to come in, we were going to talk for a little bit, we were going to sell them some coffee, they were going to take it back to Michigan, they were going to sell it, we are going to give some money to the missionaries down in Honduras. We were so excited about that. But I had, we had an encounter with Jesus that day. And I'll give you the short version. Before we knew it, Taylor and I were sitting side by side in where my office is right now. And three guys were behind us and they were praying over us. You know what we were doing? We were repenting of the sin of fear. We were repenting. We were asking God, confessing that sin to God. God, I'm sorry. Forgive me of my fears. You know what one of my fears were? One of my fears were that I felt unqualified. I felt unqualified to do the work that God had called me to do. I felt inadequate. I confessed that fear of being inadequate to do what God had called me to do. And at that moment, I received my one touch from Jesus. And that one touch made all the difference in my life. One touch is all it took. One touch from God is all that it took. 
Fast forward 14 months and I accepted the position as senior pastor at Richpoint Church. You see, what I failed to realize, guys, what I failed to realize is that God qualifies us. God qualifies us. I needed that touch from Jesus to open my eyes, to give me confidence, not in my own abilities, praise God, but in His ability through me to do His work that He called me to. That was my one touch. I've had other one touches as well in my my life. But listen, guys, I, I want you to think just for a moment as we close. Maybe you need to close your eyes right now, but I want you to think of that one emotion right now, that one feeling right now that you're feeling. If I had to ask you to, to if I ask you for that one word that describes how you feel right now, what is it? You don't have to say it out loud, but just think of it. If you're online today watching, think of that one word. Unsettled? Anxious? Depressed? Hopeless? Broken? Fearful? Numb? Distant? Forgotten? Unloved, angry, grieving. Did I touch on it? Helpless. Is it one of those? Or is it something else altogether that I haven't talked about? I'm asking you today to cry out to Jesus. Cry out to Jesus. Cast all your cares on Jesus because He cares for you. Jesus sees you. He notices you. Your pain literally rips His guts out. He sees you. He notices you. He has compassion for you. His heart goes out to you. He cares more for you than you can ever imagine. Just one touch is all you need just one touch here's my challenge my challenge today is for you to cry out to him cry out to God take take that one word that you feel right now take that word take that word and cry out to Jesus just pray Jesus I feel fill in the blank maybe that's all you have to say Jesus I feel fill in the blank You know, Jesus knows how you feel already. But I'm asking you today, that's my challenge. Cry out to him in this moment. Jesus, I feel, fill in the blank. And then pray, bring new life to me. Breathe new life into me, Jesus. I feel whatever you feel. Jesus, bring new life to me. Jesus, I feel uneasy today, and I pray that you bring new life to me. Father God, I love you, and I thank you so much. I thank you so much, God, for all that you've done in my life. And I thank you for the touch, the touch 
one touch. I thank you, God, that you care about my emotions. God, you care how I feel. And when I'm feeling, God, broken and grieving and hurting, that you breathe new life. You have compassion for me, God. You breathe new life into me. Father, for anyone that feels distant from you today, I pray, God, that you will cross the line for them. Cross the line for them, God, and bring them to you, Father. Thank you, God, for being a line crosser and a rule breaker. Today, God, you cross lines for us every single day. I love you, God. Thank you for Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? Guys, I don't know if you if you weren't here last week, you should have gotten one of these cards. Um, card just basically says, I'm ready, I'm ready to take a step at Ridgepoint Church. We exist so that more people experience transforming relationships through Jesus Christ. If you fill out this card, you're saying today that I'm ready to take a step. One of the things on here says, I'm ready to talk to someone about baptism or salvation. Today, I want you to know that I'm going to be down front here. I'd love to talk to you about baptism or about salvation. You could also fill this card out, drop it in one of these baskets up front. This is how we take a step today. Ridgepoint Church. If you don't know Jesus, I would love to sit down on the front row here and talk to you about Jesus today. Let's worship Him. Let's take a step. And let's cry out to Him with our emotions today because He has compassion for us.